if you go up to an elementary school kid and you say, why didn't Moshe go into Eretz Yisrael? Most likely, the kid will tell you because Moshe hit the rock. Moshe hit the rock. Everyone knows Moshe doesn't go into Israel because Moshe hit the rock. Well, in this week's Parsha, we have the story of Me Maripa literally translated as the water of strife or the waters of fighting. And this is the story in which Moshe hits the rock. But what's interesting is, although it is so clear to that elementary school kid that the reason that Moshe did not go into Eretz Yisrael is because he hit the rock, when we read the story, it is actually quite ambiguous. So what I want to do today is I want to look into the story of Me Maripa. I want to analyze a little bit what actually happened here, what went wrong, and what are the lessons that we can learn from it. So first, how did we arrive at this story? What is the context? Miriam has just died, and Hashem tells us that in the desert, we received three presents from Hashem, each of which corresponded to one of our leaders, and it was in their merit that we had what we needed. So we had the Ananei HaKavod, we had the water, and we had the man. The water was in the merit of Miriam. So when Miriam passed away, they then had no water and they approached Moshe to complain, they need water. So Hashem responds and tells Moshe what to do. So we are in the first source, and it is a very, very brief story. There are two psukim telling us what Hashem commanded. There are three psukim telling us what happened and two psukim that follow afterwards to tell us the outcome of what happened. So if we start in Pasuk Zion, Take your stick, the Hakelataida gather together the nation, you and Aaron, your brother, the and you should speak to the rock, before their eyes, you should give from the water and you should draw forth for them water, min from the rock, the hashkita ta'am ve'et Now when we are about, and you should give, you should bring out water from the, um, from the rock and you should give to drink all of the people and all of the animals. Now when we are going to do our, our analysis, our, anal- our analysis is going to be done with a very fine tooth comb. We are going to be looking at the text very, very closely because when there is something great, when there is a very large outcome, from very little text that draw that calls upon us to draw apart the text that we do have to a very, very fine level. So we are going to pay attention to every single instruction that Moshe has given and see how that plays out and what actually happens in reality. So we have what Hashem commanded Moshe to do, which was take your staff, gather together the nation, you and Aaron, your brother together, speak to the rock before in front of the eyes of B'nai Israel. And then when it gives forth water, you should give from the water and you should draw forth water from the stone and you should give it to the nation and to all their animals. So those are the instructions to Moshe. Now what happens in Pasuk Tzibahu. Take Moshe took his stick from before Hashem Kasher Tzibahu, just as Hashem had commanded him. So Moshe and Aaron gathered the entire congregation in front of the rock and said to them, Listen up, you rebellers. Do you really think that from this rock we are going to draw forth for you water? 
he took his stick and he hit the rock. Bimatayhu using his staff, pa'amayim, two times. So a lot of water came out from the rock and he gave it to the nation and he gave it to their animals. So what seems to happen? Moshe and Aaron gather the people in front of the rock and they say to them, they seem a little bit angry. Listen up, you rebellers. They seem to be speaking to them somewhat angrily. Vayara Moshe Ayadona, Moshe lifts his hands, Vayafat Hasela Bimatehu, he hits the rock with his staff, Pa'amayim, two times, Vayat Umayim Rabim, Vatishaidawira. So the water comes out and they give the nation to drink. So there seem to be slight discrepancies between what Hashem commanded to Moshe and between what actually occurred in reality, but nothing, nothing that is so remarkable. Nothing that screams, wow, that's what went wrong. We definitely see an angry statement by Moshe. This sort of angry, impassioned statement from Moshe and Aaron. And we see the fact that Moshe hit the rock. And Hashem said to speak to the rock. But we can't pinpoint exactly what went wrong. And what exacerbates this is that in the following Pasuk, Hashem rebukes Moshe and Aaron, but does not say explicitly what went wrong. Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to sanctify me, therefore, because you did not believe in me to sanctify me in front of the eyes of the nation. You are not going to be the ones to lead this nation into Eretz Yisrael. This was named Meimiriva, the waters of strife. Asher Rabu Bnei Yisrael at Hashem, the Bnei Yisrael fought with Hashem, and they were sanctified through it. So it's fascinating here, as Hashem does not point out exactly what went wrong. Hashem just says, "Ya'an loha emantem bilahakishini," that you did not believe in me to sanctify me in front of the eyes of the nation. However, seeing water come out of a rock, whether it was hit, whether it was spoken to, is most definitely a miracle. So what is Hashem referring to here? What is it that Moshe and Aaron did wrong? And then it's named, Everything here seems very obscure, very strange. What is it that Moshe and Aaron did wrong? And why were they punished with the most harsh punishment that Hashem could have punished them with? That their entire lives they've been working towards entering into Eretz Yisrael, and now they are told that they are not going to enter into the land. There must have been something very substantial that was done here that led to the fact that they may not enter into the land. So in order to understand this, we are going to listen, read a quite a long Abarbanel. And in this Abarbanel, he goes through 10 different explanations as to what went wrong here in this story. And he quotes Rashi, and he quotes the Ramban, and he goes through all different opinions as to what happened here and why they received such a strong punishment. So let's go through what some of these ideas are. So he says, I'm going to bring you all the explanations I've seen until this point, and then he is going to give his own explanation. What is the first day? What is the first opinion? Is the one of Rashi. So the first is the opinion of Rashi that Hashem said to speak to the rock. However, they 
hit the rock instead. So this is the opinion of Rashi. This comes from based on the Midrash Adaza. And this is the primary reason. If you ask somebody again, what happened at May Mariva? Moshe hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And how does this make sense with what Hashem told them? If they had spoken to the rock, the name of Hashem would have been further glorified in the eyes of the nation. They would have said, look at this rock that doesn't listen and doesn't speak and cannot communicate. And yet, this rock is listening to Raton Habore, is listening to the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even more so, how much should we listen to the words of Hashem? If this inanimate object is listening to the words of Hashem, don't you think that we should follow the ways of Hashem? So that is the first opinion, that is the opinion of Rashi. The question comes to ask, what was our own sin? And this is going to come up again and again is that Aaron doesn't really seem to fit into a lot of the questions of what went wrong here, because Aaron doesn't really seem to do much. He doesn't seem to have been instructed to do much besides her tag along, and he doesn't do much in the end. So the first approach doesn't seem to include Aaron. It's that Moshe hit the rock. So why is Aaron being punished as well? Next opinion is and the Ramban also asks a further question and says, why would Hashem have told him to take the staff if he wasn't supposed to use it? It seems explicitly clear that Hashem said it was important for him to bring the staff. So it's very understandable that he would think that he was meant to use the staff. So let's go on to the second opinion. So Chazal tell us the second approach is that Moshe was mekel in the kavod of B'nai Yisrael. Um, that he spoke to them in this way and he said, And from here we learn that someone who is mezalzal the tzibor, someone who degrades the people of the congregation, the people of the community, it is as if they were mechalal shem Hashem. It was as if they directly went against Hashem. So by nature of the fact that Moshe said, this was a disrespectful way to speak to the people in Eretz Yisrael. He was mezalzel, the kavod of the people, and this was inappropriate. But really, is, is that strong enough to bar him from entering into the land of Israel? Being mezalzel in the kavod of the tzibor? This seems a little bit strange, that Moshe misspoke one time, and now he's not allowed to enter into Eretz Yisrael. And again, what did Aaron do wrong? So the third day, Dea Hagimel, who the Rabba Gadol Hamaimuni, Shekatav Shayachat Ushal Moshe Bimasha Kaas Bechina. The Rambam says that Moshe's sin was that he was um, he was angry for no reason. And when people are angry, bad things come about. That sin comes about when people are angry. Even more so, anger is terrible in any average person. But when it comes to Moshe Rabinu, him appearing to be angry is even more detrimental because people would think that it's really Hashem who's angry at them and not Moshe Rabinu. And this is inappropriate. Hashem wasn't angry at them. So Moshe should not be giving the nation the impression that he is angry at them. So the Ramban is picking up based on Rabbi Nuhanan. They are picking up on a very small point that he, Moshe says, 
Should we draw out for you water? Moshe should have made explicitly clear. He should have said, that he should have made it so, so clear that this was coming directly from Hashem, that he was just a messenger, that to even include himself and say, would give B'nai Israel the wrong impression of who was performing this miracle. The fifth approach, the sin was that he used the stick and he hit two times. And he just hit one time, there would not have been a sin. So it's saying that we see it, that there's times when when someone hits one time and it is not a sin, but hitting two times is a sin. Why would that be? Because I think there is this hesitancy. There is this idea of if you hit once and it doesn't work and you have to hit again, there is this idea of like, oh, maybe Hashem isn't all powerful, that what Hashem needed you to hit just a little bit harder and then he would be able to perform the miracle. I think it gives a little bit of doubt to the situation. And that was the mistake of Moshe, that by hitting the rock twice, he then cast doubt on the abilities of Hashem. The Hadea Havav, and the sixth approach, Amrun Hashem Shayachit Moshe the Aaron, Shalom Amrun Shira Al Yitzias Hamayim in Hasela. The sin of Moshe and Aaron was that they didn't sing Shira about the fact that the water came out of the Sela. Now, this seems Excuse me. This seems to be particularly strange because do we really expect everyone to constantly sing Shira for all the incredible gifts that Hashem gives us? Fortunately, Hashem performs miracles for us on a daily basis. Even if you would say in the times of the Torah, when there were more explicit miracles done in the world, we don't expect that on every single miracle we would sing Shira to Hashem. So why would it be that Moshe would lose his ability to enter into Eretz Yisrael simply because he didn't sing Shira to Hashem? This also seems a little bit strange. The sin was that Moshe gave the impression that the water was coming from the rock. That really, B'nai Israel were already, it was already a little complicated for them to recognize and remember that it was Hashem who was giving it to him, them and not the rock. So by nature of the fact that Moshe emphasized and said, it further confused them and further took the emphasis away from the fact that it was coming from Hashem and made it more reliant on their actions. The Hadea Hachet and the eighth approach. It was that Moshe lacked patience, that he hit the rock once and then he wasn't willing to wait for, for what was going to happen, but rather he hit it again. Uh, and this again, we said it's similar. The fact that now it's focusing on the impatience of Moshe, not the actual action that he hit twice. 
but both of them are obviously very much interconnected. And he goes on and on and gives us a few different approaches about what exactly was the sin that Moshe did. But I don't know about you, but none of these opinions are really working for me. That each one of them seems to have holes in it. That first of all, I think the biggest gap is that Aaron is missing from so many of these answers. That it really seems like Moshe did something wrong here and Aaron was just tagging along as Aaron was exactly meant to do. That Hashem said, gather up the nation and gather Aaron, your brother. That Aaron did not have a specific role. Rather, he was just there to support Moshe. And therefore, it seems quite strange that if he was really just in a supporting role, and you're not going to say that Aaron was going to get up and stop Moshe from hitting the rock or stop Moshe from doing what he was going to do. This was Moshe Rabbeinu. So it seems strange that Aaron was just completely left out. Um, And it was completely left out from the actions, but yet held responsible um, when it comes to the punishment. So this seems quite strange. So then now, right now, I want to approach the answer of the Abar Benal himself. And I think that this will give us insight into what actually happens at Bain Mariba. My opinion is that Moshe and Aaron are both being punished for separate sins. That Moshe and Aaron are being punished, Aaron for Chaita Egel, and Moshe for Chaita Miraglim. The Moshe Adoninu Binyan Miraglim, Loshaya Aaron Me of Deha Egel, the Loshaya Moshe Midorha Miraglim, Talila Lahem Mirasha. So he says, Chasu Shalom, you should not think that Moshe and Aaron were responsible for Chaita Miraglim and Chaita Egel. However, you should recognize that they played a part in them and therefore, even though they are not punished until here, until we are talking about what happens at Maim Mariba, even though they don't receive their rebuke until now, their punishment is really for what happened at Chita Egel and Chita Miraglim, appropriately to Aaron and to Moshe. What does this mean? This means that when Chita Egel happens, Hashem believed that Aaron deserved to be punished. And when Chita Miraglim happens, Hashem believed that Moshe deserved to be punished. However, for whatever reason, and we'll explore that in one second, I think this is going to teach us a great lesson. Hashem did not want to punish Moshe and Aaron at the times of those sins. Rather, Hashem held on to the punishment, saved up the punishment until now, and applied it and gave over the punishment here at Meimariba. Why is that? And the Abarbanel goes into what was their chait and their involvement in these in these chataim, in the chaita maragam and in the chaita eagle. But really it was that they did contribute, that Moshe sent off the spies with very specific instructions. He said, check out the city, check out the people. And this casts a certain level of doubt into the minds of the Israel that they were like, oh, now we have to look out for the people. Maybe we won't be able to defeat them. Why else would Moshe have us seek out the people specifically or the nature of how strong the cities are? So it planted within them this doubt that they were going to be able to succeed. And this ultimately led to what happened when they came back in the, during the Chaita Maraglam, when they came back and gave the negative report. With Aaron, it is similar. Aaron thought he was giving all of these commandments, all of these things in order to prevent them from building the eagle. But in the end of the day, Aaron was the one who ultimately gave them the plan and built the eagle for them. So the environmental says they were both really... Um, they both really deserve to be punished based on these separate avirot, but they are punished here instead. 
So why does this make sense? And I believe that it is, as the Abarbanel will go on to explain, so that B'nai Israel could not just blame Moshe and Aaron, that they had to be punished and they had to be able to internalize from that punishment that they had done something wrong. And had Moshe and Aaron been punished at the same time as them, they would have just blamed it on the leader. And now I think from this, we can understand and we can learn out two different points. I think there are two different Midos lessons, two different lessons that we can take from the fact, not that Moshe and Aaron did something wrong at Meimariba, but rather about the fact that they were being punished at Meimariba for something that happened a while before. So the first approach, I believe, is that we must always take responsibility. That as we said, why did Hashem not want to punish B'nai Israel and Moshe and Aaron together at the same time? Because then think about it from the perspective of B'nai Israel. You were just rebuked for doing something wrong, and now your leader was rebuked for doing the same thing wrong as well. You are going to think back. You are going to think about um, you are going to think about what the leader commanded you, what their role in it was, and you are not really going to think that you did anything wrong. Rather, you are going to think that it was really all the responsibility. Um, that it was really all the responsibility of the leader, and you are really to blame, that if your leader is being punished, it's obvious that they did something wrong. So, for example, for the Miraglin, if Moshe was punished at the same time, Ben Israel would say, oh, it's not our fault. Moshe was punished as well, and he didn't speak Lashonara about the land. It was by nature of sending the spies that there was a problem all the way from the beginning. This is not our fault. This was all on Moshe Rabbeinu. And I think what we can learn from here is that we must take responsibility. Which means that if we are in a situation, often there's someone else we can blame. We can cast off some of our guilt. We can place some of the blame on someone else. But what we are learning from here is that you can't just put it all on someone else. You must focus on what you have done as well. That often in a situation, there are multiple people that are guilty. That doesn't mean that anyone can totally go off scot-free. That everyone who is involved in the situation is responsible somewhat for what, what happens. That we weren't able to just blame Moshe and say, oh, Chaytamaraglam is your fault. Yes, Moshe may have made a mistake. Moshe may have made a mistake in, um, in sending the spies with such specific information, but the fact that the spies came back with what they did and spoke in the way that they did, this was their responsibility. So the first lesson is that we must take responsibility. Even if we know that there is someone else that is also guilty in a situation, that doesn't mean that we are free and innocent. This, much mean, this means that we must think specifically about our actions and how we were involved in the situation as well. I think this comes up often with driving, that sometimes someone will see someone cut them off, someone went through a red light, someone passed the stop sign, and it's very easy to just blame everything on the other person. To say, oh my gosh, they're a crazy driver, they're not looking where they're going, this is so irresponsible. But sometimes you can say, maybe I'm going a little bit too fast. Maybe I'm not paying as close attention as I could. And if you don't think about yourself, there is such a lost opportunity. That the opportunity to recognize both sides of what happened in a situation and be able to improve accordingly, that is invaluable rather than just focusing on what someone else did wrong. Whether you are, once you are able to identify that there is something that you can improve on as well, you are so much more productive. That is lesson number one, is that even if there is someone else in a situation upon whom you can place blame, it is so much better to focus on the responsibility that you can take and what you could have done differently in the situation as well. Now, the second approach, I believe, takes this a little bit further. 
In order to bring about the second point, I want to give over a story that Rabbi Franz tells of Rav Matzel Katz, the Rosh Hashiva of Tells. Rav Matzel Katz writes, again, this is being quoted by Rabbi Franz, sometimes educating requires not educating. That sometimes a parent or teacher must not react, even though the situation really demands that something be said, something is counterproductive. Sometimes it's counterproductive to react. What Ramatul Katz is saying is that sometimes the best lesson is to say nothing. That in every situation you have to judge what is appropriate. Is it appropriate to act, to speak, to tell off in this moment? Or is it more appropriate to hold off and to, to speak about it when it will actually be received? There is a Gemara in Yavamos that says, Just like it is a mitzvah for someone to say something that will be accepted, it is also a mitzvah on somebody to not say something that will not be received. You should not give rebuke to someone who is elite, someone who is a jokester, because he will come to hate you. However, if you give rebuke to a wise person, then he will love you. And I think that the second lesson here is that Hashem is teaching us this lesson of restraint. That there must have been a gap in the relationship between Hashem and Moshe, between Aaron and Hashem, from the moment that these sins occurred, that Hashem knew there was going to have to be a punishment incurred on Moshe and Aaron. And Hashem could have given it over in that moment when everyone else was being punished. However, Hashem is teaching us that the message that he was trying to give over would have been lost. That it would not have been as effective to give it over at the time of Chetayel or the Chetam, at the time of Chetam or Adlin. There was so much going on and B'nai Israel would have placed their blame totally on them. And therefore, Hashem deemed it appropriate that he should wait until another point until another time when something very minor happens, but Hashem is able to, to pin onto there, um, is able to pin onto there the punishment that should have been given for somewhere else in a way that is much more effective than had it been given at the same time. That just as we say that it is a mitzvah to say, to say something that will be listened to and a mitzvah to not say something that won't be listened to, Hashem is teaching us this means of restraint, that we have to try to decide between those situations and recognize when it's best to act now and recognize when it is best to hold back. To conclude with one last idea on this point, which is that Hashem, through this idea of withholding the punishment of Moshe and Aaron from Chita Egel and Chita Meraglim all the way until May Mariva, is connected to one of the Yud Gimomidos Harachamim. Then in Yogi Momida Sarachamim, it says in Shmos Paraklam and Dalad, Be'avor Hashem al Panave Yukra, Hashem Hashem Kel Racham Lechanon, Erech Apayim, Verab Chasad Biyamet. Rabbarach Simon, one of the Rosh Yeshiva in YU, at his pre Slichos Shmuz in our community, shared an idea that the Yogi Mohammedo Sarachamim are ways that explain to us the character traits of Hashem in a way that we are able to emulate the way that Hashem acts, that we are meant to use this as a guideline of how to improve our midos to act in a more similar way to Hashem. So one of Hashem's midos is Erech Apayim, that he is slow to anger. Now, what does this mean in terms of Hashem? Hashem doesn't become angry. Rather, what is anger when it comes to Hashem? Anger when it comes to Hashem is an educational tool 
that Hashem explains it to us in a way that we understand, which is we understand that when someone becomes angry, it means that they were wronged. It means that something negative happens against them, and therefore they have become angry. So when it is described that Hashem is angry, we are meant to understand that something has gone wrong. But what does it mean, that Hashem is slow to anger? It is connected to our point exactly. That because Hashem is using his anger as an educational tool, we are meant to understand that something went wrong. Sometimes Hashem understands that there is a need to delay this anger. That there is a need to push off this rebuking or this education, this showing B'nai Israel what went wrong until a point where they are able to receive it. That this is what is happening exactly in our situation here. That Hashem could have become angry at Moshe and Aaron respectively during the sins that they, that they carried out. But Hashem knew that it would be less effective then. So therefore Hashem exercised this restraint and held back until it was going to be of the greatest impact to Moshe and Aaron. That here on the story of Mamariva, when something went wrong, but nothing so terrible, Hashem is able to say here, you did not believe in me to sanctify me, Aaron, it was Egal. If you really believed Egal that Moshe was going to return, you would have really stopped Ben Israel. And Moshe, it is at the Miraglan, if you truly believed in me. If you really, really believed in me, then you wouldn't have given Ben Israel such explicit instruction. You would have said, just go check out the beautiful land that Hashem has promised to us. So Hashem uses this very subtle rebuke in which he doesn't specify a specific avira. And he gives this to us at a totally different time, so delayed from the original events. But Hashem deemed that here it would be most effective. And here Moshe and Aaron would be able to learn from it. And in turn, as those that are the readers and the learners of Torah, we would be able to internalize this message as well. That had it been placed somewhere else, it would have perhaps lost its impact. So what can we gain from A. Mariva? I don't know what exactly went wrong. And I'm not sure that anything so noteworthy actually did go wrong. It may be heretical, but it may have not been such a big deal that Moshe hit the rock. But what I do believe is that Hashem is teaching us these two very important lessons. That by nature of the fact that Moshe and Aaron are both receiving their belated punishments for sins that happened much earlier, we can learn two specific lessons. The first of which is that we should always look at a situation and how we can take responsibility how we can improve in the situation and not just blame those around us, even though if there is blame to place, we must recognize that we are guilty as well. And the second lesson is to exercise restraint. Even though we may want to rebuke right now, we may want to make a change, we may want to be angry and express our frustration right now. Sometimes that moment of holding off and waiting until a better moment, a moment in which we are, our speech can be more effective, can be so much more beneficial. So Mirza Hashem, may we be able to harness both of, both of these midot, may we be able to be introspective and recognize our role in different situations, and may we be also be able to, ex to exercise this restraint and hold out until we are able to best express ourselves, until we are able to make the greatest impact. Thank you so much for joining today.